right, thank you. We have uh, something very special, something we've never done before. Uh, Christmas is a wonderful holiday, uh, especially if you're a child. There's just something about it, that anticipation and uh, having grandkids living in my house. Uh, I am constantly reminded of the joys of uh, of Christmas through the eyes of a child, and they have a unique way of understanding things and, and seeing things. Uh, we had a Christmas Eve dinner last night, and, and Anna made a wonderful dinner for us, and as we were sitting there, the adults, we had steak and and, uh, you know, broiled asparagus and all kinds of good stuff. The kids had macaroni and cheese and, and you know, that kind of thing. And uh, they were, they didn't care. They were right where they wanted. And somehow the conversation came up with Gwen, my five-year-old granddaughter, on how you make macaroni and cheese. And uh, that's, that just, it, it became very, she wasn't trying to be funny. She just was telling it like it is. Um, and she said, well, you, you get uh, a pot and you put water in and you dump the macaroni in and then you burn it. <laughs> Just as matter of fact as could be. Evidently, she's eaten her mother's cooking a lot and uh, she understood. And so what we did uh, is uh, we, we got our children together over the course of the last several weeks and uh, asked them to tell the Christmas story from their point of view. And uh, so we have a little video we'd like to present. Get ready for lots of giggling, lots of giggling. Uh, and uh, it just, I think there'll be a couple surprises along the way. Uh, but the Christmas story as told by our little ones. And then 
Dad and Joseph were going to talk for him. They said, do not be afraid. Have great joy because Jesus is born. Go to Bethlehem so and follow a star. And see the baby is falling forth. And angels. There's one at first and then tons. A multitude of angels appeared and said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace will torment. And then um, there was a shining star. A star! Um, a star. They followed a star.
Savior would take over the world. He wanted to be the king. I didn't think Nathan was ever going to get the manger at Anna, Anna, Anna. And now we know the mafia was involved because the wise guys were there. And uh, at least the baby got some nice warm milk. And that was cute. Uh, were the Gerbers surprised? Yes, we got their grandkids from the other side of the world involved in that. And I thought you might enjoy just a little chuckle. And they had a good time doing it. Got a couple of bossy little girls. Uh, Lacey, I wasn't afraid Lacey wasn't even going to talk. Uh, until the very end, and then she came through and did a wonderful job. If I could get our guys to grab a, a mic, uh, we're going to do something uh, a little bit different uh, tonight. Some years ago, we had a staff Christmas party uh, at our home, and uh, we, had a, we had some games, some fun things like that. And then we just decided to have a, a testimony time, and the testimonies revolved uh, around the theme of your favorite Christmas memory. As we look back in time, especially the older we get, sometimes there are certain years that uh, the Christmas season stands out. God did something, there was something going on in our lives or whatever that made that Christmas very special. Uh, combine that with maybe your family, maybe you growing up had a, a special Christmas tradition, something that you did, 
And I thought it might just be a, a, a sweet way to sort of remember the day and the season. Uh, your favorite or a special Christmas memory or maybe a, a special Christmas tradition that always had a special meaning for you. So let's take a few minutes uh, and we'll see where it goes. Maybe there'll be one person, maybe there'll be none, maybe there'll be lots. Uh, anybody got something like that? I know I'm springing it on you. It, with our staff, it just became a very, very sweet night. Uh, and some wonderful, wonderful memories came out. Uh, so we'll start back there with uh, Mrs. Anna Trelore. Um, so my favorite Christmas memory is the day after Thanksgiving. Every single year from the time I can remember, um, Mom and I always decorated the whole house together. My brother and my sister didn't want anything to do with it, which was fine by me. And so that was just my favorite Christmas memory. And the last year she was alive, she wasn't going to be there with us because she was going to do Sarah after Christmas, the day after Thanksgiving. And I sat her down. She couldn't do anything. I was like, you're going to watch me decorate. <laughs> and I was like, and tell me if I'm doing it wrong. And I just, I'm so thankful I got that last time. Amen. Amen. Somebody else, a special Christmas memory or maybe a special tradition that you had in your life, your family while growing up around Christmas time. Anybody else? No, we got one. Anybody else? Ms. Tarquino. We're having you use the microphone. We have a lot of folks that watch via the live stream, and uh, uh, that, that way I don't have to repeat everything. They get to hear it firsthand. Shirley. Back in 2016, um, that was the year that was uh, my father passed away the March of the following year. We had everyone over at our home. We had um, my sister, my sons, um, the whole family uh, was able to be there. There was about 12 of us and we celebrated a beautiful Christmas dinner and we were able to just share a wonderful time together with each other and it was um, just very precious and very special. All of our children were there and um, my sister and even Scott and uh, it was just very precious time. It was my favorite Christmas. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Somebody else. Linda. When I was a kid, I, uh, my grandmother, one of my grandmothers, she had six children. And she lived in Maine. And if uh, Christmas Eve fell on, the, on a convenient day of the week, there was good weather in my father's work schedule, but uh, we got to go, and my grandmother had a three-family house, which was only occupied by family. So we, um, so I had a great time um, connecting with the cousins that I never got to see all year round. And then, and then, of course, there was lots of food, and um, so that was, and so that was special. My grandmother died, and then the whole tradition fell apart. And you so. enjoyed you enjoy the memory when you had it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Somebody else. Special Christmas memory or tradition maybe that your family had. Anybody? For me, one of the most special Christmas in uh, 1981, uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, she had a, a tumor in her sinus passages, and so she had... Uh, uh, radiation and uh, chemotherapy and all of that and it was very difficult year for her and uh, just a couple of weeks before Christmas she went in 
uh, for some follow-up testing, and they declared my mom to be cancer-free. If you've ever gone through that, those are the happiest words you can hear. And uh, I remember on Christmas Day, uh, my brother and two sisters and I were all gathered uh, at home. We, uh, my mom only had one grandchild at the time, and uh, we just really had a wonderful Christmas. And, and I was asked to pray over Christmas dinner, and I remember thanking the Lord for letting us have uh, my mom. Uh, little did we know that two months later, the cancer was going to come back. And uh, in August of 1982, the Lord was going to take her home to be with the Lord. We didn't know that was going to be our last Christmas, but we cherished that day. We cherished having mom. Uh, we cherished that day with good health. And that just stands out in my mind all these uh, nearly 40 years later, over 40 years later. Uh, it's just a very, very special Christmas day, just having mom there with us again. Somebody else, Christmas, special Christmas memory or tradition? Robert. Uh, I have two. Um, one's a tradition. Every year we go out, just look at Christmas lights. And this year, Hallie was looking out, and she's seen, of course, Santa, the Grinch. And then we pass a few houses, and she would just yell out, Baby Jesus. And that, was, that just was special to me. And I never thought I would have to say it, especially here. Um, whenever I see her go up towards the platform, I just say, no baby Jesus, because <laughs> she likes to pick up baby Jesus. Um, and then the second one was last night, we were able to be up at Mountain View with my in-laws for Christmas Eve. And at the end, they always sing uh, Silent Night with the candles. And Hadley was in the service with us. She was sitting with me, and she wanted to hold the candle, and she was singing along with Silent Night. So that was just something special. Man, you're getting to pass those along to your children now. Praise the Lord. Somebody else, special Christmas memory or tradition that uh, means a lot to you. All the way in the back, Brother Rob. Beth? So this is one of the typical ones, but something I remember as kids, especially with my brother and I, is um, either my dad or my grandfather um, would hold us up so that we could hang our stockings up on the mantle. Um, and then our other tradition always was Christmas Eve. Um, we always had pajamas. <laughs> we always got to wear our new Christmas pajamas um, to bed, which I've since continued uh, with Victoria. Amen. So Praise nice. the Lord. That's sweet. How many else, uh, anybody else have that Christmas tradition of jammies? and all? A few of you do, okay. How many of the men wear them? Greg, do you, do you wear them? Okay, we want pictures. Somebody else, a special Christmas memory or tradition that's uh, meaningful to you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Melanie. Um, it was their first Christmas here where we ended up, it was actually Christmas Eve, and we had a candlelight service, and we had a dedication for Zoe and everybody else, you know, all the other kids, Tommy. And that was a sweet Christmas the first time here for me. Wow. Praise the Lord. A lot of, a lot of kids since then, huh? <laughs> Anybody else? I still remember baby dedication this year. Greg said, see you next time. And uh, Steve. Uh, this was uh, many years ago when I was a younger junior age boy before I knew any of you and uh, came to this church and was uh, blessed with a, a new family. Uh, it was just myself and my dad, and um, 
I wasn't saved yet, and neither was my dad, uh, but I learned something very, very important as an unsaved kid uh, that has carried over every year. Uh, and it was the very first year that I had experienced not receiving anything. I was probably about uh, 11 years old. Uh, and as an 11-year-old, you know, in that age, you're very much aware about what uh, things are and having like a worldly desire to have the next best toy or a PlayStation or whatever. But that year uh, was very different for me. Um, I knew going into it that I wasn't going to get anything. Now, I could have gotten mad, and I didn't. I was mostly happy just to be with my dad. Uh, and uh, some of you here know that I, I did lose my father uh, about a year after I came to Connecticut. And I, I look back on that every Christmas season, no matter what's been going on throughout the whole year, no matter if there's presents or not. I'm just very, very thankful for what I have, and I'm reminded of the reason that the Christmas season exists, and that's because of our Lord. And uh, I'm just thankful for my salvation, and if I didn't get anything, I'm thankful for every blessing that has been given to me throughout the year, uh, and that I am saved. That means all the world to me. Amen. That's an amazingly big lesson for an 11-year-old to grab a hold of. Wow, that's powerful. Anybody else? Favorite Christmas memory or tradition? Anybody else? Lindsay. So growing up at my, like growing up in my, in the Temple household, we had um, tamales for Christmas. And my dad and I used to roll them from scratch. And then once I got married... Steve took his um, pork that he used to make and I would roll it into my tamales. So then we combined the tradition. But then this year we actually had lasagna with the clacks. So that was very different for me, but a new Christmas memory. Okay. So we went from tamales to lasagna. So it's just an international flair going on in the, the, the Mulberg home. Any, anybody else? Favorite Christmas memory and or tradition? Anybody else? Brother Smith? Uh, I, do, uh, I do clean house for a living, and it was the last job I had. It was a few years ago. Last job I had for the, that season, right before Christmas. And we all you think about Santa Claus and, and gifts and all that kind of thing. And, but I don't. I was a Christian. I didn't believe in that anymore. I said, this was God's birthday. And I said, I just prayed. I said, Lord... <laughs> Could you just do something real special that uh, I won't forget? And so that last job I, I went to, <coughs> and all the things I had to get rid of, and they tagged the things they wanted to keep. The last day, they, they decided to take everything, and two of the things they decided not to keep. They were old, old bicycles um, matching his and her bikes. And... Uh, <coughs> um, I think I, I jumped too fast, but to start this, this story off, my, my wife had a bicycle, and you know when she was single, she got it at Ames or whatever, and one day I came home, she goes, someone stole my bicycle, and I said, all the things in my yard, and they just want that bicycle? I said, just give it to God, you know, he'll bless it. She wasn't very happy, and about two weeks later, somebody took my bicycle, and I wasn't very happy, so I said, oh, she goes, well, just give it to God, you know? <laughs> Yeah, don't you hate it when that comes oh. back to bite you? <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, thank you, God, you know. 
But that was my bike when I was single, and that was her bike when she was single. And uh, i get back to a second, sorry. But then those two bikes I got, and I'm bringing them home, and I'm thinking, oh, I got antique bikes. They're uh, one man and one ladies. They're all there, all the pieces and everything. And I could sell these and make some money for it. And about halfway home, I go, oh, wait a minute. My wife just lost her bicycle. And I like, oh, God, just got her a new bicycle, you know. And I'm going, and then duh, I hit myself in my head. I said, oh, it's a, a guy and girl bicycle. And he got me one, too. So I hit him in the basement. And that day, uh, we had all our presents on Mr. and Mrs. Ferguson, her father and mother, there at our house. And I said, wait a minute. I ran downstairs, and I brought up uh, the girl's bicycle. And I said, look what God got you for your birthday. And they said, wow, that's amazing, you know. And I said, well, hold on. And I ran down and got my bike, and nobody knew they were there. And I came in, and I said, look, and God got me one, too, matching set. And Mr. Ferguson just, he just started pulling his eyes out. And Mrs. Ferguson was pulling her eyes out. And we're just, it was a, God did something because we were single, but now we're married. So we got rid of our single bikes and got his and hers. You got married bikes. Yeah, we got Mary's bike. But I, I prayed to God. I said, Lord, you do something to show me that this is what it's all about. You know, I, I don't want to hear all this worldly things. And it, it touched me so spiritually. We just all were just so amazed that day. I think my favorite part of the story is when Michelle said, just give it to God. <laughs> I'm proud of her. That is wonderful. Uh, anybody else? A favorite Christmas memory or uh, family tradition? Wanda and then Virginia will be our last one. And then, Brother Rob, you come on up and get ready to lead the next song. 20 years ago, um, I had cancer, and I didn't have much money because I wasn't working at the time because I was going to chemo and radiation. And the Lord blessed us and kept, everybody kept bringing us meals and presents for my kids that year because I was diagnosed in October, and Christmas was coming, and I had those like eight weeks before Christmas off because I was going through this. But that was very special because my kids were only five and seven at the time. And God took care of it. God took care of it. Virginia, you'll be our last one here. Go ahead, Brother Adam. Um, so every year uh, when the verb months start, like September 1st, that's when we start um, playing Christmas music. So um, I observe in America that's not the case, but uh, we still do that every year. And we're happy like, oh, it's September 1st, and we play Christmas songs. September 1st, you're one of those people. God bless you. My wife would have dearly loved you for that and so forth. Again, allow me to say thank you for uh, your generosity and kindness to me personally at this Christmas season. Uh, even this morning, your gift to me and many, many uh, cards and good things. This was the year of protein bars. And uh, so I will be strong like Russian bull uh, or fat like a Russian bull, one of the two. But thank you so much for uh, being so thoughtful to me. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness uh, throughout this past year and your tithes, your offerings, your faith promise. And uh, let's uh, give uh, joyfully tonight as unto the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, we pray that you will bless uh, this offering tonight, both gift and given, giver. Use it for the furtherance of the gospel. Bless our missionaries that are serving around the world. Uh, for some of them, today was a lonely day. It was a difficult day. For others, they got to connect via uh, the Internet, and they got to see friends and family. 
but uh, Lord, it was still difficult being so far away. Thank you for their willingness to serve. Encourage them, use them, empower them, keep them safe. Again, bless the offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Sage. Janelle, you better watch out. Your job might be up for uh, grabs there. If you have your Bibles tonight, if you'd turn with me, please, uh, to the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2 won't be long, but I'd like to close our Christmas celebration today with a simple thought. Let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. You should have enough light, Lord willing, to be able to see. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, and we're going to read uh, down through verse number 34. Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 25. I'll read verse 25. You join with me on verse 26 down through verse number uh, 34. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Father, again, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this evening Thank you for these faithful folks who have come out to be a part of the service. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the next few moments. Uh, I pray the Holy Spirit would just have our attention. We'd listen and let him speak to our hearts that which you would have us to hear. And for all that you do, we'll thank and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In the Old Testament, we, uh, we read from the book of Exodus all the way through pretty much the end of the book of Leviticus, all of the laws that the Jewish people would serve under for uh, the next 2,000 to 3,000 years or so. It included everything about their dietary laws and restrictions, what they could and could not eat. Uh, And it talked an awful lot about the sacrifices and the things that they would offer at the tabernacle or later on in the temple. As New Testament Christians... We, uh, we tend to sort of let our eyes glaze over when we get to that part because it doesn't relate to us. Uh, because of Christ being the one and only sacrifice needed for uh, our salvation, the sacrifices they offered to us don't seem to mean a lot. Although we learn in the book of Hebrews that all of those sacrifices in one way or another were the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most unusual sacrifices that they offered was one that was called the wave offering. It was something that was first mentioned in Exodus 29 when uh, Moses was giving instructions, uh, given instructions by God about the ordination and the dedication of Aaron, the first high priest, 
and all of the men who would serve from the tribe of Levi as a priest. They were told to take part of the animal sacrifice and, and the other things that were offered that day, and they were to offer them for what was called a wave offering. Then later on, especially in the book of Leviticus, um, the people were commanded on, on periodic times to come in and again offer these things that were called a wave offering. Sometimes it was the meat from a lamb or a goat. Oftentimes it was, it was grain. Uh, sometimes it was uh, flour and things that were mixed in a very particular way. It was baked sort of like we would think of cornbread, something like that. And they would take a portion of that and hand it to the priest. And uh, it was given and it was called a wave offering. And what they would do is they would take whatever the, the sacrifice, the offering was, they would place it in their hands and they would lift it up high above their heads and if you will, kind of do a little bit of this type of emotion and they were waving it before the Lord. Now you and I, that sounds a little different. It sounds a little odd because it is not a part of our culture, but to the Jewish people, it took on a great significance. What they were saying with the wave offering is God has done something marvelous for us. And in return, we are lifting a portion of that to him in honor and in praise of his glory. And the idea of waving is, is to sort of attract a little bit of attention, just saying we want God to know that we are happy with what he's given to us. We are, we are praising God with this. So when you read about the wave offering, I want you to think the word praise. I want you to think the word gratitude. I want you to think the word honor. I want you to think the word glorify. That's what the wave offering was all about. You say, what does that have to do with Christmas? What does that have to do with anything related to the Christmas story? Well, we read here the account of when Jesus was a little more than 40 days old. Joseph and Mary took him to the temple for his dedication. When he was eight days old, he was circumcised the custom, according to the custom of the Jewish people. But then uh, when his mother had reached a certain uh, uh, time period after she'd given birth, he was taken into the temple and there he was presented uh, to the priest. His name was written down in the official records of the temple with the, the time of his birth, who his parents were, his genealogy and so forth. And he was officially presented before the Lord. We do that around here periodically uh, with uh, uh, small children, uh, babies that have been born during the past year. And parents come and we have a baby dedication service. And that's what was going on in Luke chapter 2 in the portion that we read. On that particular day when Joseph and Mary walked in with this little baby in their arms, they had no idea that they were about to be met by an older man named Simeon. An age is not given for him, but we understand from the context, he was a man who was well up in years. And God had promised him at some point in his life that he was not going to die until he had seen with his eye the promised Savior, the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. Those years had rolled by, and one day the Holy Spirit instructed Simeon, today, 
go to the temple. And Simeon obeyed the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit and he walked in. And as he did so, here came this young couple from now Bethlehem with this little baby boy in their arms. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the one, that's him. And the Bible said in the verses that we read that uh, in verse 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. Imagine being Mary, and this is your firstborn child, this older man that you've never seen or met before, all of a sudden walks up and takes your baby out of your arms and lifts him up like this. I can just see the average mom, uh, you know, ready to call the cops, uh, ready to have a hissy fit, having a meltdown, because this is, this is unusual, but there was something about this moment. There was something about this man. This was in a holy place. This was the temple. This was a man that I, I think this man just through uh, uh, his very appearance had the mark of a man that had walked with God and knew God. And somehow Mary and Joseph both knew in their heart of hearts something significant was taking place here. They'd already seen how many miracles with angels appearing to both of them. Uh, the, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherds showing up on the night of his birth, uh, and so forth. And down the road, they would have the visit from the wise men and so forth. So the miraculous was something that they were starting to recognize were going to be a part of their lives because of this child that they had. And I want you to notice the, the significance of the fact it didn't just say that he took him in his arms. He took him up. In his arms. And that old man is lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ, that infant child, lifting him up, and the Bible says, and he blessed God. If you will, all of the wave offerings of the Old Testament that the Jewish people still did at the time of Christ and for some years after that, every one of them was a picture leading up to that one precious day of this, this elderly man lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ in his arms. Later on in his ministry, the Savior made this statement in John chapter 12 and verse 32. He said, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Now we know he, the Bible says he was talking about the way he was going to die, being nailed to the cross, lifted up on that, that cross above the earth. But there's also the application of that, that Jesus Christ, if he is exalted, if he is lifted up as Simeon lifted him up, took him up in his arms, that wave offering, people will be drawn to that. As the, the early Christians proclaimed the glory of Christ and, and his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, people from all walks of life were drawn to that message and thousands of people were saved on the day of Pentecost. Thousands more were saved in Acts chapter number four. The Bible says the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And everywhere those believers went, they, they went preaching that one simple message of exalting Christ, the one who came to die on the cross and to save us from our sins. I submit to you tonight on Christmas night 2022, that the greatest need that our world has today is for Jesus Christ to be lifted up and to be exalted. 
We can't expect the unsaved world to do that. We can't expect Hollywood to lift him up. Uh, we can't expect the media to lift him up. If Christ is going to be lifted up, it's going to have to be by people like you and I to lift him up, to exalt him, to glorify him, to, if you will, lift up Christ as our wave offering and let folks know what a good God we serve and what a wonderful Savior that God has given to us. We can lift him up and we ought to lift him up with our praise. The Bible says this in Psalm 63, verse 3, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. That whole idea, lifting up my hands in praise. Every now and then when we have a special song and it touches our heart, you'll see somebody raising their hand like this or we'll be singing together as a church and, and somebody will lift their hand. That's what David was talking about. It's my wave offering. It's my praise. But uh, well, not just the lifting of our hands, the, the lifting up of our praise from our mouths. We, we spend so much time talking in the course of the day. What people need to hear from us is not our opinion about the politics of the world or the economy or this, that, or the other thing. Right now, they just need to hear that there's a God in heaven, and he's a good God, and he's a wonderful God, and, and he's, he loves this lost and dying world, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and we ought to be lifting him up in our praise. I, I, you, you know that I, uh, since this last uh, surgery that I had, I spend a lot of time at the gym, and, and I've gotten to know a lot of people there. Uh, I work with a, a young man who's been my trainer for the last four years or so, and I've become acutely aware that the people that I'm around, and especially my trainer, they're paying attention to the words that I say. And if I say something negative about anyone or any given circumstance, I sense a change in their countenance. I, I see something on them that that's what they're not expecting out of me. And the Lord has used that to help me become ever so mindful that, that to, to realize these people hear that kind of talk from every other person they're around. From me as a child of God, they need to hear me talking about how good God is. They need to hear me lifting up the name of Christ. And if there's any time that that should be true of us, beloved, this ought to be the time that we lift him up in our praise. We need to lift him up in our prayers. In Psalm 121, David said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. We have a God that hears and that answers prayers. He delights in answering the prayers of his people. He invites us over and over again in the Bible, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And God is waiting to hear us and he's waiting for our voices to be lifted up to him in prayer. When we pray to him, we're saying, I believe in you. I, I believe that you're able. I believe that you're powerful. I believe that you love me. Uh, I believe that I can come to you with my request and you will hear my request and you'll, you'll take care of my need. And we're, we're expressing such complete and utter faith and devotion to him. We, we ought to be lifting him up in our prayers. We need to lift him up with our path. David said in Psalm 143 in verse number eight, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning 
for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know thy way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. We need to lift him up in our path. We ought to be walking differently than the world does. We ought to be one of those believers that have learned to trust in the Lord with all our heart, to lean not to our own understanding and all our ways to acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. That's the promise of scripture. We ought to be ever so careful how we live our lives, where we go, how we conduct ourselves and, and to make sure that everything that we do is a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ and lift him up in our path. Simeon only appears on the pages of scripture for about a dozen verses. He's not known uh, before that. And after this one fleeting moment in the temple, he steps off the pages of scripture. We assume that perhaps right after that, that he went to heaven because he was told he was gonna live until he saw the, Lord, the Lord's Christ. But Simeon has left us a good example to follow. A man who all he is known for is lifting up the Lord's Christ. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if that's what we were known for? That we were the person that always had a good word to say about the Lord. That we were the person that no matter what was going on in our lives, we could learn to lift it up before the Lord in prayer. I'm thinking Brother Earl Held tonight, not able to be with us because of health concerns. Those of you who know him, you know this is true about him. If you ever talked to him and you ever shared a burden, he would stop right then and there and he would start praying. How many have experienced that? No ifs, ands, or buts. Didn't care who was around, didn't care what was going on. He stopped right then and there. He didn't just say, brother, I'll pray for you. He stopped right at that moment to pray for you. Still does, still does. May we become known as that person that lifts up and exalts our Lord in prayer. May we become that person who lifts up the Lord in our path. By the way, Simeon is on the pages of scripture because he let the Lord govern his path. The Holy Spirit said, go to the temple. He did make an excuse. Well, my arthritis is really bothering me today. I really had kind of a rough night and didn't sleep well. You know, I was just there yesterday, didn't argue at all. The Holy Spirit led him into the temple and he obeyed. And my, what God showed him, he had no idea he was going to step onto the pages of scripture. He had no idea that his testimony was going to be being preached about 2,000 years later. But it was because he was a man who let God direct his paths. Let's, let's get good at the wave offering. Let's become experienced people at lifting him up with our praise and our prayers, and in the path that we walk. Can we have prayer together? Father, we thank you for this day and all that it means.